All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Pause Friday continues on the Jason Greger show on Sports 1440 as always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. And of course, we are coming to you live in the E-Well studio, E-W-E-L.ca for all your electrical needs. Brass Bonanza is back. Uh, put many of you in a good mood, including myself. I love the song. It's uh, it's fun. It just gets me going. It's positive Friday. I know the weekend is upon us. It's fantastic. Uh, also fantastic now to get to our big guest of the day, brought to you by Silent Rides Charter Company, one of Alberta's premier bus charter companies with state-of-the-art motor coaches that will safely take your team or group to their next destination. Book your ride today at silentrides.ca. And... We welcome in, uh, you will be able to hear her uh, every Monday morning as a co-host with Kevin Carius. Of course, it was a long weekend, we weren't on, so uh, she will make her uh, Sports 1440 uh, co-hosting debut on Monday. She will also be joining me as a regular uh, every Friday. Of course, uh, two-time Olympic gold medalist, uh, Lorianne Munzer, joins us. Uh, Lorianne, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. Super excited to be here. Now, so... Lori, you got a lot of nicknames. Lorianne, L.A., Munz, Munzer. Is there a favorite that you have? Like, what, what should people call you? Like, if they're texting in, is it Lorianne? Does it, does it have to be Lorianne? Does it have to be L.A.? Do you care? As long as they just don't call you late for dinner, what's the, what's the ruling here? Well, as long as it's not late for dinner, I'm good with that. L.A. is awesome. L.A., okay. Yeah. I like L.A. Hey, it's like, I love the song. I love L.A., so why not? That cool. is, uh, that's great. So... For those maybe who are unaware, let's give a, a, a quick little bio of Lorianne Munzer, L.A.'s uh, sports career, specifically that culminated, of course, with those Olympic medals. Oh, my goodness. How much time do we have? <laughs> oh, hey, don't worry. we got a lot of time. <laughs> cool. Uh, 24 years ago, I came to Edmonton. And even before getting out of the airplane, I went, this is exactly where I want to be. Edmonton has an outdoor velodrome that was built for the... 78 Commonwealth Games, and that is where I spent a lot of time turning left and going around in a circle. And when I got here, I had a dream of going to the Olympics. So got here August 31st, September 15th, I was at opening ceremonies in Sydney, Australia, September 16th. My event lasted 36 seconds, Olympic debut, and I said, I want to do it again, but I want to win an Olympic gold medal in four years' time, and that was the vision. I had a coach who was crazy enough to see what I saw, who said he wanted to go to the Olympics as well. I was his training partner. I was his driver as we were doing motor pacing on the velodrome, 50, 60, 70 kilometers, 80 kilometers an hour sometimes, and uh, two Olympics, gold. It's 
still a blur. It's, you know, 18 years ago. Seems like yesterday. It's amazing when you say my first Olympic appearance was 36 seconds. And I, and I really think that capulates. It's, I've always said, I think the Olympics, it's obviously the biggest event in the world, but it's also arguably the most heartbreaking because people train for four years. You'll get one shot every four years. And depending on what your sport is, yeah. if you don't get out of the first round in cycling, well, thanks. We'll see you in four years. And, and the funny thing is there's very few people who go to their first Olympics and are dominant, right? Like you, you kind of got to pay the, the piper, shall we say, which is no different than in pro sports and other ones. A lot of people got to get used to it, but there's just something about that. Was it, were you expecting it to be 36 seconds? Like, was that a massive letdown or did you kind of think, you know what, the first one's going to be a challenge? Well, I was hoping for a world record. Didn't even come close. I'd been sick with the Aussie flu and I just went, you know what, I'm going to just leave it on the track, literally. It was two laps around a 250-meter track, which equates to 500 meters. It's a dead start, so you're locked into this apparatus. There's a countdown. you got to time it right to explode out. Hopefully you don't get stuck and drag it. And you go as fast as you can until you cross the finish line. And then you look back, and then you look to see all the times of where everybody before you has gone to see where you're sitting. I have no recollection of where that was, but... It's just you have a vision, you have a dream, and that's what you prepare for. And so what we're, the reason we wanted Lori on, A, she, you know, we have a lot of co-hosts who have played team sports, which is fantastic. But A, getting an Olympic gold medalist, multi-Olympic gold medalist was, was pretty cool. But somebody who excelled in an individual sport, because I do think there's a bigger difference. Like you, you played team sports growing up, but then yeah. as an individual sport – it can be good and bad, I assume, because it can be great when you're like, you know what? If I do everything to my best of my ability, then it's on me. But at the same time, if I screw up, it's 100% on me. So we're, talk about the mindset that's different in an individual sport to a team sport and why maybe some people are better suited to be an individual athlete. Well, number one, mindset in any sport, whether it's sports sport or you know, in business, you're a business athlete or you're in school, you're a student athlete. It doesn't matter where you are. Mindset is everything. It is the first component. If you don't have the right mindset, you could also call it state of mind, is mm, you're only going to go so far. And individual, you don't have as many people to think about, so you can really focus in. Okay. But in a team sport, you got to see everything. You have to feel everything. You have to know where everybody is. And there's certain things that they just happen. And, and you know when you're in that zone. And athletes know it really well. You also know it when you're in business, when it's just like pff, you have that unstoppable feeling. And we're always trying to recreate that feeling again, that experience, or do it again, and then do it again and again and again. And your mindset is going to either put you where you want to go or else it's going to just like pff, put you in the dirt. It's just like done. You get crushed. Absolutely crushed. Now, when you, you've mentioned after the 2000 Olympics in Sydney, it's like, okay, you know what? 36 seconds. I was sick. Didn't go. I went, I'm going to, I'm going to be a gold medalist in four years. That's a real big high bar to set for yourself, right? Well, well hang on. Even being sick, I did a personal best. I did a Canadian record okay. and I went, Hmm. Okay. This is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's awesome to what have that. What could happen if I was 100%? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, how long did you live with that what-if moment? Or were you able to say, I'm moving on from that, I can't live in the what-if? What if I would have been healthy? What if, what if? Oh, God, no. Yeah, no, no. you let it go No, quick. no, you, you got to let it go. Okay. Because otherwise you carry it, and then you, you got the devil and the angel sitting on your shoulders. Yeah, you can do it. No, you can't. And it's just, no, you, 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 I decided right after that, when I got on my rollers after walking off the track, literally, that I was going to do it in four years in the sprints. I was going to do the 500 event again, but the sprints is where the gold was. Yeah. And that is like a whole other mind game. So not only being one day of events at a Grand Prix or an international race, it's two days at a World Cup, World Championships. It was three days at the Olympics. So oh. you can typically keep it going really good for one day good for two days but when you start moving into the three days you're talking a roller coaster up down up down up down it flips you every which way to sunday and monday do you have to and this is hard but can you save some energy for day three when you're in that type of event or is it just like no no i gotta go 
everything I have and then hope to refuel and then go everything I have again and then hope to refuel and hope that I got everything left on day three. Well, it's cat and mouse. One person leads, the other person follows in sprinting. Um, You you only have three laps, so you got to get it right. Uh, There is no room for error. I don't have 100 kilometers to make up for an error. I have sometimes one one one-thousandth of a second, boom, to, to flip it around. And you just take one heat, one race at a time. Because we started with qualification. Then we were one sixteenth finals, which is a one-shot. You win, you move to the next round. You don't, you, know, you go into the, the loser's round, the yeah. repechage. Then there's the one-eighth finals, another one-shot. Then when you get into the quarters, the semis, and the finals, then it's the best two out of three, so very similar to tennis. And it's just, you you, you go, you get on the track, you do what you've seen in your head. Hopefully it goes that way. If not, you course correct. And then you get off, you cool down, and then you reset. Lorianne Munzer uh, joins us. She will uh, join me every Friday, but she will be a uh, co-host with Kevin Carries every Monday morning uh, from 7 to 9 a.m. How did you get into cycling? Like, did, were you all like, now, hey, I grew up out of Kuahara. You know, you're riding bikes as a kid. But yeah. when did you be like, hey, I think I can be a cyclist. Always had a bike as a kid. My grandpa repaired them, replaced them, so we always tested them. It wasn't until I was about 22. I was living in Toronto. I was 180 pounds. I was 28% body fat, which is way more than I really thought I was and wanted to be. And I was working. I was spending money more than I could make it. And I was bored, so I'd gotten a mountain bike, 44-pound mountain bike. And I'd go out to Hamilton and back eight hours a day. I was doing a 40K route, loved it, got faster and faster. And after four weeks of doing that, I decided I wanted to race. So I opened the Yellow Pages, bottom right-hand corner. I don't know if the you remember pages. the Yellow I Pages. Yes. I mean, you know, who who remembers the Yellow Pages? Yeah. Bottom right-hand corner. I love the logo. I called the guy. He says, hey, I got a bike for you. I said, yeah, I'm five foot ten. Um, the bike was too small. He didn't realize I had really long legs and upgraded to a bike that was worth a thousand bucks and got the equipment. And I said, okay, hold on a second. I, I don't have the money for this. I got to go get a loan. So I went and saw the TD manager. You got a loan just to get the bike? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a, awesome. A helmet, a jersey, shorts, shoes, pair of sunglasses, set of gloves because you want to protect your hands. And the bicycle was a thousand bucks. And so like, how did you find someone to train you or did you train yourself for the first bit? Well, I was the only girl with 10 guys and I was trying to keep them. And, you know, they do the sheepdog thing. I don't know if you know about that. No, what's that? Well, you start together and then the guys would go, okay, we're going up the road. So they go off and I'd be like giving her, going as fast and as hard as I could. And I could not catch them. And then they'd come back and check on me and then they'd go again. And eventually I started getting faster and faster. But my specialty, which I didn't start to hone into until years later, was short, flat, fast racing. They call them criteriums. Yeah. Now that's where I excelled. And then the guys were... I was sheepdogging with them. So what was it about? Is it body composition? Is it, uh, you know, you got really powerful legs. What allowed you to be better at the sprints? I don't know. I can jump really high in basketball, volleyball. Okay. So I think genetically I have that. Okay. So you I got like, some good hops. Yeah. And I used to chase the buses in the neighborhood, see if I could beat it to the end of the line. <laughs> My dad was a bus driver with the Toronto okay. Transit Commission. Okay. So he would tell me horror stories with the courier. So I knew, like, stay in the mirror with the driver and... You know, you make eye contact, he goes in to pick up the people. I'm like, yes, go. And then I'd boogie it and just book it to the next stop. And I hear the bus coming up and I'd slide on over and wave them on. And uh, it was 12 minutes from one end in the junction, from end to end. So you would just race on your bike. Oh, yeah. And then you have stoplights. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the cars, too. So you're watching, looking. It's a blast. It's a rush. That is a very unique practicing um Environment, shall I say. So then when was the first time you got on a velodrome? Oh, my gosh. I was with Des Dickey. I met him at a trade show because Tanya Dubnikoff had won in 1999 the Pan Am Games in Winnipeg. And I wanted an autograph. Well, Clara Hughes was there. We all know Clara, yeah. like speed skater, oh, yeah. goddess. Pretty you good know, multi-athlete. Just amazing woman. So I was talking with her, and then Tanya comes on. She goes, how do you know Clara? And I'm like, well, I race with Clara. Clara would just tromp all over us. And diesel engine, just go. But when it came to the sprint, I'd open up the can and just go, see you later. 
And so I started talking with Des. <laughs> Clara said something to Des. I have no idea what it was, but Des goes, I want to talk to you about the national team. You'd be great for sprinting. I'm like, okay, sign me up. I had no idea. Nobody told me my bike has one gear and no brakes, and you ride on mm, a 37-degree banking, 45 degrees sometimes, 54. Yeah. Oh, and you can't stop pedaling. You can't coast. Ever? No. If you do, you're ass over tea kettle. You go up over the handlebars. What? Yes, because it's direct drive. It's The track bike is the adult version of a tricycle, except your feet are locked into the pedals, so you cannot I stop. I it's never, direct drive. And I, It's funny. Now, I watched the race. So obviously, I knew in the race you never stopped pedaling, of course, but I didn't know that if you actually just – so if, if by chance somehow you – well, you're, locked, you're, you're clipped in, so you're probably never going to slip out. Or do, do you ever get come unclipped in a race? I didn't because I had – double leather straps with Kevlar. But you've seen people do it? If they didn't have straps around their okay. feet. Yeah, because that's the danger when you're sprinting. You know, you start off winding it up about 50, 60, 70 kilometers an hour, and then, you know, you punch it. You're about, I don't know, what, 75? You don't want your feet to come out. So in the race, you're going 75 kilometers on that bank? I think we were going 60 I think the average speed was 59. 59? So we got over 60. Yeah, and that because, you know, there's a sh- anybody who's seen the tracks, you know, there's not like there's massively long straightaways when you're on a bike. Nope. You come around it. Now, how many crashes, if you have to look, like how many crashes did you have in your career? I don't count them. We don't talk about them. I've had a couple spectacular ones. Uh, Break I, any bones when you wiped out? My first one, uh, yeah, I busted my collarbone. Oh, okay. Didn't know it was broken. Two guys tried to pull me apart to put it back together again. Well, that must have felt nice. Didn't work. Um, <laughs> yep. So I've had some. I've had some bad crashes on the track, off the track. And so, are you like? Do you still watch all the time cycling? Like, are you a diehard cyclist? When I can catch it, if I'm not. Out riding my bike yeah. for sure. So you still ride all the time now? Do you like? Yep. Do, do you do sprints for fun ever? Of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so of you, course. Where do you? But not on the track. My bike is actually in Calgary's. Um, it's in Calgary. It's in Canada Sports Hall of Fame. So when you walk in, and you go into the exhibits, it, last time I looked, it was up on the left hand side, hanging from the rafters. That's the got to be, be a pretty cool feeling. It is. That's really cool. <laughs> and they also had um, the tire that had exploded when I was going into the just before the semifinal race. They have the the tire that went wrong that exploded at about seventy kilometers an hour. So the thing is, if your tire explodes on your bike, remember you have one gear, no brakes. You cannot stop paddling. What happens then when the tire explodes? Well, first off, it sounds like a shotgun. So everybody in the velodrome is looking around. Who's going to crash? Who's going to crash? There's about 100 people, 100 athletes riding on the track at the same time. So you're threading the needle. I have no idea how I managed to other than the first thing my coach said, Des, Des Dickey. He said, if you're going to crash, relax. Because you're going to bounce. You won't break as much. As much. As much. Was Was that accurate? When you look back at your crash, oh were yeah. you able to relax? Yeah, I, I crashed sideways. I couldn't unclip out of my mountain bike paddles in the Mill Creek Ravine, just not far from here. Like, yeah, I got I would. It would be funny to have like a, an average, you know, video cam on Lorianne Munzer when she's biking in the River Valley, because something tells me it's not a Sunday stroll. Well, it starts off as a Sunday. Th- <laughs> it, it all depends on who who we're going. So if yeah, you yeah. and I are going out for a ride, we're definitely bringing the camcorder or the yeah, GoPro. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure we're and, not sprinting. Uh, or if we are, it's yeah. like, hey, well, I'll Lord, give you the heads you, up. You, you I'll go, give you the heads up. What was it called though? When uh, oh yeah, the the the, the sheepdog is that what it was called? The sheepdog. Yeah, yeah the guys yeah. go ahead yeah, and then they you. come back. Or, yeah, you go ahead and then you come back and I'd be you know I'd be yeah, I'm over here still. So yeah. that'd be good. Lori, that was fantastic. And, and this is all what people can expect and, and much more. Great insights. Uh, you're a motivational speaker. So we're going to talk a lot about, I know with Kevin and you, a lot about the, the mental side of sports and yeah. just in life, really. And I, I think it's going to be fascinating stuff. So uh, thanks so cool. much uh, for joining us. So we look forward to having you on every Friday here on the Jason Greger Show. And then uh, every Monday morning with uh, Kevin Carius from 7 to 9 a.m. Two-time Olympic gold medalist, Lori Ann Munzer. You can call her L.A. Just don't call her late for dinner or breakfast, I guess. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, Matt Verderam will join us on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 and live on Orders Nation YouTube. We return. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Turn positive Friday on Sports 1440. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Connor Halley is always presented by PlayAlberta.ca. And man, I'm just fired up like Lorianne Munzer. When you listen to her, it's like she's just got energy. And those stories, man, she's going to be an awesome addition to the uh, to the station uh, Monday mornings with Carries and then Friday with us. So uh, very much looking forward to that. And just what what a path to becoming a two time Olympic gold medalist. Twenty two years of age. You know what? I got to get better. I got to do something. And away she went and uh, followed her dream, and it uh, it worked out. That's uh, that's fantastic. So the other great thing is Laura's a very successful businesswoman. And so we'll be talking sports, but we'll be interjecting a lot of like the business side of sports when we uh, when we have Laurie on on Friday. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, always looking forward to have this guy on the show as we get to the uh, fantasy report brought to you by Next Gen Transportation, heavy haul transport provider, 100% locally owned and operated. And I tell you, it's not a fantasy. Their customer service is legit and it is great. NextGenTransportation.com. As uh, once again, uh, Matt Verderam joins us from uh, Sports Illustrated, the uh, NFL writer and uh, Matt uh, game one is done. And I posed this question earlier. So I want to ask it to you. Can you recall a time where a team has had that collective of a poor performance from their entire receiving core? <laughs> Not for a decent game. Um, like I was just, I literally just looked this up while, while you were in commercial break. She said 65 offensive snaps last night. Yeah. Canarius Tony played 16 of them. Like that's almost impossible to make that big of a negative impact. <laughs> 16? It felt like he made a mistake every third play they had. It was inc- I was there. I was up in the press box last night and I, that game like in one way I'm oddly almost bullish more bullish on the Chiefs in the sense like they played what I think is a pretty good Lions team and mm-hmm. basically played like they had money on the Lions and still almost won. Like it was you know, without Chris Jones, without Charles Menehu, without Travis Kelsey, I like drops are everybody's got a different perspective on what's a drop and a, and a missed throw, whatever. I thought they had like nine drops in that game, which is almost impossible, including one that ended up being a pick six, and they lost by a point. So it was uh, an interesting night. Like I, I think the Chiefs will be completely fine and, and they'll bounce back and all that. But it was. It was a disaster for Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore in particular. Wow, Sky Moore! I I made the the like put me in for uh, idiot GM of the week in fantasy football. I was like, you know what? I'm going with Moore. So I put him in as my flex, thinking he would do something. He did absolutely nothing. Um, what what did you see that he wasn't doing in that game that you would think he would be better at? I feel like at times with him, his problem is he just doesn't separate particularly well. It, it, it's not that he doesn't have 
the ability to, but it like when you watch them last night and uh, Nate Ticey athletic did a really good job breaking this down on Twitter, give him a shout out or on X, I should say. Um, they, they don't, seem like they have any rhythm. And part of that maybe is Tony was out all preseason and all, all training camp with a knee injury and, and Moore is going from a small role to a starting role. But I watched and I noticed it in the press box last night. There were a lot of routes where they were running into each other. They there were there were miscommunications and not just those two guys, but just in general. But with with Sky Moore, he's not the athlete Kadarius Tony is. He's yeah. not the athlete Rasheed Rice is who I actually thought played really well for them last night. He's the one receiver who was younger who actually showed up. Um, but you know, with more, he's got to be precise. His, his superpowers is route running. He's a really good route runner. But last night he ruined what could have been one of the great Mahomes highlights of all time on fourth and 25. Yeah. I mean, that throw was unbelievable. It hit him right in his hands. He drops the ball. And that's something where if you're Sky Moore, the Chiefs don't have great receivers as we saw last night, yeah. but they do have a deep room of guys they're willing to go to. If you're Sky Moore, you better show that you can play soon because otherwise Rasheed Rice is going to get those snaps and Justin Ross is going to get those snaps and Richie James is going to get those snaps. So it was a struggle. Uh, I mean, you had four – I believe he targeted four times and he had three drops and no receptions. Yeah, it was it was not good. Now, Brutal. what about on the other side for the Detroit Lions? A big win for them, huge win. You know, you look at their offensive line. They came in highly touted. It's the first time all starting five were together due to injuries in the past. And I, I really saw it on the Montgomery touchdown run. Like, that was just impeccable blocking by them. Yes. Pretty easy run. But when you look at Montgomery and you look at Diggs, is, is that what you expect or do you think as the season goes along they're going to dig, especially get him uh, in, in an open field because the minute they got him in open field, it, you know, we saw him make some plays, especially late in the game. So there was one play that Gibbs, Gibbs not Diggs, broke out. Yeah, no, yeah, I knew you meant Gibbs broke outside and actually juked so hard he juked himself. You know, otherwise, he would have walked in the end zone for a touchdown. And it didn't matter. They scored the next play anyway. But um, yeah, look, Gibbs. Six carries, 42 yards, one of which was an 18-yard run. So other than that, bottled up a little bit. But I thought he he played well. I mean, the explosiveness is clear. Yeah, he can do a lot of different things. He'll move them all over the place. I was at Allen Park, Michigan, for their training camp uh, for a day as part of my training camp tour. And their young guys are really impressive. And they are really high on all of them. Brian Branch, who had a pick six, and, and Gibbs, and Laporta, and even Jack Campbell had a nice pass breakup last night. So they – I think they're going to rely on that ground game. Last night, they tried to run the ball. They didn't have a ton of success, kind of surprisingly. I thought without Chris Jones, they could run the ball on the Chiefs. The Chiefs went heavier up front, played a lot of base. The Lions only ran for three and a half yards per carry, but as the game went on, they ran a little bit better. Um, yeah, I think Montgomery and, and Gibbs will be that one-two punch, and, and that's a top-five offensive line in the league. That, that's how the Lions are going to win games, and that'll get Goff into shorter situations, you know, second and fives and third and threes, and you can play action off that, and that, that's when he's really effective. Matt Verderam joins us from uh, Sports Illustrated, talking all things uh, NFL and a little bit of fantasy as well. So now we get into Sunday, and, you know, there's – there's lots of excitement, of course. Uh, anytime any league starts up a new season, lots of fan bases. This is our year, right? In Detroit right now, their fans are like, we're going to the Super Bowl, which is great. Um, what is your expectation for Aaron Rodgers player, Aaron Rodgers fantasy, and then guys like Brees Hall and Wilson, et cetera, for that Jets offense? So, look, when, when Hall's fully back from the tornado show, I think he and Dalvin Cook will kind of be that. Montgomery Gibbs, you know, we're going to, we're going to split time, one, two punch, all that kind of thing. Hall was incredible last year before he got hurt. Yeah, awesome. He was uh, absolutely awesome. And he was facing stack boxes every week. Zach Wilson wasn't exactly backing guys up 30 yards. So, um, I think he will probably see more than Dalvin Cook will see, but I think that also depends on how does Cook look early. If he plays really well early, then maybe it's more of a, a 50 50, a true split with Rodgers. I, look, there's a yin and yang to this for me. He has a lot to prove in his own mind after last year in Green Bay. He did not throw for 300 yards once last year. No. And people love to say, well, you know, he didn't have weapons. He had some decent players in Green Bay. He had Lazard. He had Watson. He's got a great running game with the Packers. And LaFleur is an excellent offensive coach. This Jets team has Wilson, who is better than anybody the Packers were trotting out last year. But other than that, like, it's also Lazard. It's also Cobb. I've watched McCall Hardman as someone who 
covered the Chiefs before I went national with every other game he's ever played. Like, McCall Hardman's going to have two games that's 125 yards and 15 games where he has 20. Okay? <laughs> like, that's just how he is. Yeah. And that's why he's a useful player, but that's what he is. The Jets, my biggest concern is can they block? Can they yeah. block anybody? That's that's always the thing. Like, whenever we see camp reports, people are like, this offense looks amazing. And then and then the season starts, and you're like, all right. And there's, there actually is contact now when the season starts, <laughs> and, and you can hit the quarterback. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, I think Buffalo will win the game week one. And I will, in full disclosure, admit I am from New York uh, and did not grow up a Jets fan. Don't, don't dislike him, just didn't grow up a fan of the team. There's a part of me that just lives for the chaos of it. Like if they lose week one, the radio lines will be on fire Tuesday morning. Like I, especially if it's, if it's like Rogers throws two picks or something. Oh yeah. Oh, it'll be unbelievable. It'll be absolute theater uh, in, in New York. So that, that, that could be fun if, uh, if the jets do struggle out of the gate early. There are a few other teams, you know, like Brock Purdy. He was the Cinderella story last year. No question. The 49ers, they get rid of Trey Lance already, who they gave up a boatload uh, to get. What's your expectations of Purdy? I know Patrick Peterson's already calling that he's going to get an interception in the game. I love the trash talk, by the way. But what's your expectation? Because there's a lot of people that are high in the 49ers. Are you that high? I'm not. I actually think Seattle's going to win that division. So... I I like the Niners as a playoff team. My my thing is this. You always hear people say, and it's not always just about the 49ers, although the 49ers seem to be the poster child for this currently. You know, they got a great roster, just that quarterback, and you don't know, but they got the best roster. That's like saying I have the nicest car in the parking lot, but it doesn't have an engine. I mean, that's great, but the car doesn't run. Like, I, I like Purdy as a prospect. He played well above his draft position last year. Nobody would argue that. My question with Purdy is, is there another level to him, or is he pretty much just a guy? And that's what he is going for. Because I worry with the Niners, McCaffrey's unbelievable, but he's got injury history. Trent Williams is an amazing Hall of Famer, but he's older. George Kittle, great player, already dealing with a groin issue. Debo Samuel, great player, hurt a lot. Nick Bosa, just got paid more than any defensive player in NFL history. He has an injury history. Eric Armstead, he's gotten hurt. Like, that's my concern with the Niners. And if some of those guys are missing time, like, can Purdy keep them rolling? Or is it one of these things where if a couple of those guys are taken out of the equation, now it's like, hey, Brock, you're going to have to really carry the show here for a month. Can he do it? I don't know. I think they're a playoff team, could certainly win the West. Um, I'm fascinated by the game against Pittsburgh. I think that is going to – Pittsburgh, I think, is a good team. I think that's going to be a, like an old, like a 1990s style, 17-14. It's a battle to score points. I, I think it's going to be a very good football game. Matt Verderam joins us from Sports Illustrated here on Sports 1440. Matt, I have to ask you about my uh, producer, Connors, his Chargers. Uh, they're taking on the Miami Dolphins. There's a lot of hype around the Dolphins, offensively and defensively. Uh, you know, the Chargers, they got one of the best quarterbacks in the league, no question. What do you make of the Chargers this week and then maybe all season? What's your expectation? So I think they're going to win this week. I'm picking them to win. Um, I think Ramsey being out for the Dolphins is just an enormous deal. Okay. Because I like the Dolphins a lot. I actually picked them to win the AFC East, although the Ramsey thing scares the hell out of me. Um, the concern I have is, like, can you cover anybody? Because Javion Howard made the Pro Bowl last year, but he did not play the Pro Bowl level. I mean, if you watch the games, he he struggled quite a bit. And yeah. so um, – yeah, Javon Holland's really good safety, but he's not going one-on-one with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Like They need to be able to cover. And when you have to just sit in a zone against good quarterbacks, they slice up typically. So that that's my concern. I think the Chargers win the game. I wouldn't be shocked if Miami won. I think it's a high-scoring game. Overall, I think the Chargers are fighting for a playoff spot. I like the talent. Here's the problem, two-prong quickly with them. One is injuries every year. There's just injuries all over the roster. Yeah. Every year – and every year we go into it and say, well, you know, if they don't get hurt this year, but guys who get hurt typically get hurt. But that's, that's usually, I mean, if you're injured every year, there's a reason, and getting older does not help that. Number two, I just cannot pick them to win that division when Brendan Staley's coaching that team. Um, so I, I just, you know at some point there are going to be two or three games this year where we're sitting here on Monday morning going, how did they lose that? Like, what happened? How yeah. did they lose that? And despite what the Chiefs did on Thursday night, you know with the Chiefs, like when the when the lights get real bright and they got to win, like they typically win. They've won two Super Bowls in four years. 
when the lights get really bright for the Chargers, it's like a blinding freight train coming down the track. So I, I think they are going to compete for a playoff spot in the AFC West. I do, I do think it'll be more of in a wild card capacity though. And lastly, uh, we got a few texts coming in on uh, quarterbacks for week one. Uh, <clears throat> Joe Burrow didn't play, <clears throat> excuse me, but half the quarterbacks didn't play. So I don't know if that matters very much. Um, what do you make of Burrow in, in week one uh, going up against uh, Cleveland? And then uh, the Jacksonville offense. Is this the breakout for Trevor Lawrence? Is Trevor Lawrence like, where would you rank him amongst quarterbacks in fantasy? Uh, I mean, certainly, I think Lawrence is on that tier right behind Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Hurts. Um, I mean, Lawrence, he, he to me is a dark horse MVP candidate. Ooh. And I think, like, here's the other part of this. Jacksonville's defense is, I don't believe, good. Uh, so they're going to throw the ball a lot because they're going to get in these shootouts. Okay. Now, week one, he may not get in a shootout because I, I don't think the Colts are going to exactly be putting up 35 a game. Okay. However, tell you one thing, Jacksonville plays Kansas City week two. That game, especially after what Kansas City just did, the, Jacksonville might need to score 40 because if the Chiefs have Kelsey back, that, that's going to be interesting. I think Lawrence is fantastic. Um, I, I think he's a top, you know, six, seven quarterback in the league. And then with Burrow, you know, look, you know what? He has always struggled against Cleveland for some yes. reason. It's been a weird, like sometimes, you know, styles make fights. The Browns just have had his number. Um, I am picking the Bengals to win the game, though. I just, man, Watson was so bad last year. And yeah. I get it. I understand the old Russ thing, and I, I get it. I got to see the Browns kind of do it a little bit. Yeah. Like, show me that you can you can execute and you can play well. I think the Browns will be game. Again, and it's week one. Like, anything's possible in week one. But I, I like Cincinnati to go in there and win that game. Matt, always great to have you on, man. We appreciate it. Great stuff. Uh, we'll keep reading at Sports Illustrated, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend. Enjoy week one. You too, Jason. Take care. That is uh, Matt Verderam joining us uh, from Sports Illustrated. Great breakdowns all the time. I know Cons is uh, is always raving about Matty's stuff that he reads. It's fantastic. If you haven't, I would highly recommend checking it out. That's Fantasy Report brought to you by Next Gen Transportation. Uh, when we return, we're going to speed things up a little bit on the Positive Friday edition of the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website. Positive Friday continues on. Beautiful day outside. Man, this show is just rolling by. We're almost like two hours in. Loving it. It's quick. It's fast. It's fantastic. Uh, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, the text line is humming. 833-401-1440. We'll get through a lot of those in our uh, Jiffy Lube inbox. But it's time to uh, speed things up in the Cantork Racing Report. Uh, Cantork's been a longtime uh, sponsor of our show. We're very happy to have them uh, back on once again. Uh, new location, uh, same strategy. And we welcome in uh, Colin Livingston uh, once again. Uh, CL, how you doing, my man? Man, I didn't think we were going to be doing this ever again with the abrupt ending at the uh, the other place. This is awesome. I know. It's great. Uh, we're, we're happy to have you. And you know what? Uh, we we took a little bit of time, but we figured it out. And, uh, and everything's... I'll, I'll say this. Right now, the Sports 1440 uh, Cantork relationship is a lot better than the Red Bull Perez uh, Helmet Marco relationship in F1. Like, uh, you know, they're, they're having a record breaking year by Max Verstappen, the, the greatest season we've ever seen for an F1 racer. He's won 10 in a row and he, he might go undefeated. Uh, crazy enough. And Perez is second, but. Uh, Basically, he's he's inconsistent, according to, to Marco. He made a real idiotic kind of racial comment saying South Americans, they don't focus as much. And then, of course, today he was he was uh, apologizing for that idiotic remark. But are you surprised? Like, I watched Checo race. Like, do you think it's that glaringly obvious? And is there anybody that would be an obvious upgrade? Well, obviously, they've got Danny Ricardo sitting in the wings. Now, Danny's got a broken broken wrist from uh, an accident at Zandvoort uh, a couple weeks ago. He's the obvious choice if they need to move somebody into that seat. But what I, I don't think a lot of people really look past the driver. There's a lot of stuff going on in Perez's team that doesn't happen in Max's team where you know, use Montreal as an example, and I don't expect you to know this like kind of fresh of, you know, fresh of mind, but when they were getting ready to qualify and as they were going through the various qualifying sessions in Montreal, it looked like rain was going to happen. Yes. So Perez is saying, guys, get me out here. Let me get a, like what, what they call banker's laps. Let me get the lap in now before the rain comes. And they're like, no, we're going to wait. And then you can go rip on the intermediates. It's like, 
Why would you do that? Because the intermediates are going to be like 10, 12, 13, 15, 20 seconds slower. You do a lousy lap on slicks, it's still going to be better than what you can possibly do. So his team's making some really questionable decisions, but he's the one that's shouldering the blame. Yeah. Now, you know, got to be mindful that we're not on Thursday. This is positive Friday. So <laughs> it's, you know, know. It's all good. I'm a little reluctant to, to, you know, go after, um, you know, one of my least, my least favorite people in all the sports, Helmut Marco, because he says the most ludicrous things and then you know, there's the move nowadays. Well, as long as you as long as you apologize afterwards or you clarify it, this was the same guy that also said Max Verstappen is so good yeah. that you could put him in the Alpha Tauri or you could put him in the Haas, and he would still put that car on pole. Like, what a great way to show you don't know anything about you know driving or racing. Like, there's no way you put Verstappen in the Alpha Tauri that right now, like. Ricardo and Yuki Sonoda, or um, and now the the kid's name is uh, Liam Lawson, yeah. um, is filling in. Is it really because those guys are such bad drivers that that car isn't qualifying up front? Yeah, no, it's so. because the car is just not that good. These guys are all great drivers. The difference between the 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 great guys at the back and the great guys like Max and and Lewis up front is is just the littlest littlest thing. You know what, helmet. Put Max in that car. Uh, what, I'd love to see it. Why not? You put one of those drivers in the Red Bull, they're going to be getting it up front, and then all of a sudden Max is doing it in a car that you guys spend pennies on compared to the other one? It'd be the greatest move in, in racing history. Now, I want to ask you about what's going on outside, and it does involve F1. You go back to the 2008 championship, oh. and uh, you have Massa now who's suing for because he claims that uh, you know uh, PK uh, Jr. deliberately crashed into him, and that cost him the title, which would have cost him millions of dollars after the fact. So he's not even necessarily going after the title. He's going after the lost revenue. Correct. Now, I'll be honest. I don't like. Is this something that's ever happened before? The closest thing was a couple of years ago when... Lewis lost the championship to Max in Abu Dhabi with the questionable yes. caution and, sure. and that sequence of events. And, and to be clear, that was not an act of deliberate crashing. That was, um, you know, we don't need to. Well, there's the, the rules. Bus, yeah, we can debate on the for the rules. You know, and how they enforced. let teams pit and all the rest of it. This is. You know, again, it's going back 15 years. Uh, Nelson Piquet was driving for Renault. His partner was uh, Fernando Alonso. To, to be clear, PK didn't crash into Massa, but he deliberately crashed to cause a caution so that Alonso could maximize his pit strategy. Mm-hmm. That's not been proven, first of all. It's widely speculated, and it could have very well happened. What do you, do you think he did it on purpose? 100%. Like, okay. I, I have no doubt in the world. But that doesn't mean that you freeze time at that moment and say, okay, well, if that hadn't happened, then none of the other events that happened afterwards. You can't overlook the fact that Massa's crew, his pit crew, when they came into pit later on in that race in Singapore, they botched his pit stop and he ended up, you know, at the back anyway. Then there were something like three races left in that calendar year. Well, if he had walked away with the title at that point or like the championship lead, does he drive the exact same way being the leader as he would have, you know, coming from behind? Do the other teams around rally? You don't know. So you can't like he, he initially started talking about having the like legal challenge to have the championship given back to him. I think they figured out that that's not going to happen, but now he's suing formula one and, and the management to say, listen, you guys knew you didn't act on this. I should have been the champion. And, the the end result would have been you know tens of millions of dollars per year in in you know bonus pay from the team and endorsements. I want that money now, which is I don't I I think I think he's going to fall on his face. Okay, uh, Colin Livingston joins us in the Cantor Racing Report. Uh, it's kind of fascinating what's going on in IndyCar. Paolo's having an unbelievable year. Crazy, but, but right now it's all overshadowed. He <laughs> says he's leaving. Now they're like, no, no, no. He gets sued by Ganassi, so now he's going back. It's it's basically to put it to people who don't follow IndyCar, it's like you would come home and you tell your, your girlfriend uh, or your boyfriend and you're like, guess what? I'm out. See yeah. you later. I'm leaving. Right. I'm moving. I'm, you know, I'm moving in with Sarah and Paul across yeah. the street. Right. So you go to Sarah and Paul's house. Then you come back to get your bed and like, uh, no, sorry, this isn't allowed. And then you got to be, well, I guess I'm moving back in here. Like how uncomfortable is this going to be? And like, what do you think comes of this? And, and how did they botch it? 
How would he not know what's in the contract? This is um, this is probably going to get a little bit messier before it gets sorted out. the The deal is that McLaren thought that they were able to sign him using a loophole that allowed him to leave if he got an offer from a Formula One group, which McLaren has a Formula One entity as well as an IndyCar entity. That was kind of how they they tried to structure it. Then, as he had as he had put pen to paper with McLaren, Ganassi said, "Hold on a second. We have you under contract for two more years, and that contract is ironclad." They went to court. They had their uh, contract upheld. He had to drive for Ganassi, which obviously worked out pretty yeah, well because he now he's, well. he's the the champion with one race to go. So they've had a great year. McLaren said, okay, well, now you're coming to, to us next year because that's what the other contract said, which is 2024. Yeah. And Pelot was saying, no, I'm not going to you guys. I'm staying right where I'm at. So there, there's going to be some kind of legal challenge because McLaren did put money into him and they've hired him as their yeah. F1 reserve driver. They've done a lot of F1 testing. Um, and they were counting on him to, to get into the car, which he's saying he's not. So they're probably going to go back, try and get a chunk of cash from him. McLaren announced today that they've signed David Malukas, uh, who was with Dale Coyne racing. So they've kind of made, they, they've understood that he's not going to be there, but they're going to try and pick his pocket a little bit. Now let's get into uh, the, the NASCAR Pinty Series in Canada. Of course, the, the yep. final race is coming up in uh, London. Uh, your team with uh, Tagliani, you guys just won in Toronto. Yeah, you, you had a really good Western swing. Uh, you know, lots of top five finishes. I think a second, a fourth, and a, and a fifth, if I'm I'm not mistaken. So you come into the final race, you can't win the points, but you can finish as high as third. But then also, depending on how the weekend goes, you can drop down. So there's still Correct. lots on the line. Obviously, how do you, how do you, how do you approach as a team when you go in? You know you can't win, but you obviously you know there's still a lot to to be won by finishing third. Well, we can still win the race, and yeah. you know our team's done a great job this year of giving us good cars. You know we've we I can go through every single race and kind of point out what happened. We've just had some bad luck, and once in a while we're making bad decisions at the wrong times, and that's kind of what happens um, with our Western swing. We finished fifth in Edmonton. Fourth in Saskatoon, second in Saskatoon, which is fantastic until you figure out our teammate went second, first, first. <laughs> so, you know, and that just that just really opened up the gap. Um, yeah, really, all we can do is maintain our position. LP Dumoulin's been coming on pretty strong. He's he's had a, a really good run lately. Delaware is a track that we've had mixed um, results. Alex has run well there up until about 2016. It went off the calendar. It came, and since it's come back, we've just had the worst luck. Uh, was it two, three years ago? We went into the, the Delaware weekend, uh, as the championship leader. And I think we ended up finishing fourth overall because we had, you know, terrible cars, bad luck, accidents. Uh, last year was, um, you know, we were the victim of, uh, somebody else's nonsense. Uh, you know, won't even mention them, but you know, it was one of the worst hits we've taken, you know, Alex has taken in the car and, you know, me as a spotter, it's my job to keep the guys safe. So I had a, I'll never forget the feeling of just not knowing if Alex was okay, because once they took him out of the car, I don't have radio contact. He didn't talk to us after it happened. So I was texting guys in the pits to find out, you know, I'm trying to keep Bronte his wife, you know, informed, like, listen, we're still working on it. Um, I think Delaware owes us, um, you know, owes us at least one good finish here because we've run well. We've, you know, we've done okay. Um, you know, Terry and the rest of our guys, I know the car's going to be ready to go. Alex is focused and, um, you know, then it's, it's going to be time to kick some ass. And lastly, I know the karting series is over locally, but uh, you guys average 26 carts on the track per races here. I think that's the most, is it not? We're by far and away the largest group of DD2 drivers in the world. Um, we race in Warburg at uh, EDKRA, Edmonton District Kart Racing Association. Um, this weekend is the final club race, so there's going to be, I mean, there'll be over 100 entries in okay. eight different classes or so. But yeah, for a standalone Wednesday night, single class organization, we're by far and away the, the biggest in the world. Now, I know you don't like to talk about yourself, but I have to ask, I was looking at the stats. Um, <laughs> Six wins for you this year, uh, including uh, if, a, a few of the big ones in Strathmore and uh, EDKRA, uh, yep. uh, their championship one as well. What uh, what went right for you this year? 
um, had a good cart, uh, raced pretty well. I had decent strategy. Um, you know, knowing, you know, we basically, um, we run a set of tires for two races. So I was pretty fortunate that when I was running new tires, most of my competitors were running used. They would run new on nights that I wouldn't be there. And then, you know, uh, it would, it would flip around. Um, my, my average finish, uh, was, was really decent this year, but I just didn't do enough races and I had, you know, trouble in some races, you know, the first two races, brand new cart, it was a mess. I didn't have it really set up properly and didn't have any time to test, uh, there were nights where, you know, we'd go out and run, but then it was going to rain and I don't want to run in the rain, not because of the rain part of it, but if you're running competitively and it gets really wet, you spend hours disassembling your oh, cart, replacing shift cables, you know, to make sure that it's, it's going to be functional. Um, you know, no excuses, you know, um, you know, kudos Damon Shellamy, uh, in our category, uh, he's back, uh, back on the, the, the top step. He won the championship in our group and, and, you know, without question earned it. Uh, Jared Freeston, um, you know, he wins again, even though he wasn't really running for a championship, his focus this year was trying to get the grand finals ticket. Um, but yeah, we get one more weekend of fun um so i'm basically leaving here i need to get prepared i haven't bought groceries i don't have any food for my uh for my camper out of the track but uh, once i'm done uh you know uh, get cleaned up pack some clothes get a little bit to eat over the weekend and um you know head out to the track and uh, start playing with my cart well have a good weekend and uh, we look forward to having uh, the cantor race report uh, every thursday uh, and by the way thanks for filling in and golfing in the uh, special olympics uh, <laughs> tournament yesterday sponsored by volvo it's, it's a yeah. fantastic event kevin said he had a great time and awesome time. and you, you always feel better about yourself when you leave that tournament there's no question 100 percent. well and having a special olympian uh family member there with uh with larry was oh larry's was a beauty man and i see larry walking in st albert all the time he's such a classic he's just like he just he controls the streets when he's walking around it's so awesome <laughs> he, he had two gears yesterday uh talking about his special olympics experience and eating, eating? <laughs> and, oh, well there you go he yeah. loves it it's yeah. good well, he's a big man he's got to eat a lot got to feed the uh, machine he's like what is he six four something like that yeah, yeah. he's a big dude all right thanks Colin. appreciate it you bet thanks it's Colin Levinson in the uh, race report brought to you by Cantorca. Hey, guess what? They got Strutty's favorite, the new uh, high-powered nut runners. Check them out right now at Cantorque, one word, dot com. We'll take a quick sports update brought to you by Michener Allen Auctioneer. And their next public-timed automotive RV auction is now open right now for bidding. Go to info at maaauctions.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.